Mustafa! How many times have I told you? Go outside and gather all the sheep in. Why are you being so lazy? So Mustafa, 16-year-old boy, he was exhausted already from a hard, long day's work. But his father, his Arab father, in the town of Ramallah, was yelling at him at 11 o'clock at night. He was dead tired. He was exhausted. And his father said, Mustafa, go outside and gather up the sheep. You lazy, lazy boy. In Israel, in Eretz Yisrael, there's, there's different kinds of towns. You know, some towns are, are with all Yidin, and some towns have some Arabs, and there's some towns in Eretz Yisrael that are Arab cities. They're all Arabs. There's like almost no Yidin go in there. It's dangerous to go in there. And Ramallah is one of those kinds of places. Ramallah is like a very, very dangerous place for a Yid to go. And Mustafa, an Arab boy, 16 years old, I like to walk around. I'm a little trapped. <laughs> Mustafa, a 16-year-old boy, I'm going to come right here, was living in the town of Ramallah and his father was yelling at him. He just spent the entire day working on a construction site, building a building in Yerushalayim. A lot of Arabs, they go into the Jewish parts of Eretz Yisrael and they do work there and then at night they go back and he's 16 years old. He spent the whole day working in the boiling hot sun and his father's yelling at him, you better go outside and gather all the sheep. They had a little, a little tiny farm, not really a farm, but a little yard with a few sheep and a few donkeys. And his father didn't want to gather them in, so he made his 16-year-old son go and gather in all the sheep every single night after a whole day of work. And Mustafa, with no energy, is like dead tired, is walking outside and gathering the sheep, and he's thinking to himself, this is ridiculous. I spend the whole day working on construction, boiling hot sun, and his father refused to let him go to school. His father said, you have to work. If you want to live in this house, you're going to have to do construction. You have to bring in money. All the money that he made, he had to give straight to his, to his father. It wasn't like he was getting to keep the money to buy stuff. And then when he gets home, he's dead tired, and his father yells at him, makes him go and gather in all the sheep and take care of their animals. And he's thinking to himself that night, one evening as he's going out, dead tired, gathering the sheep, he's thinking to himself, his father is not nice to him. His neighbors are not nice to him. People are just mean to him. And he says, you know, the only person who actually treats him nicely at the construction site in Yerushalayim where he works, the only person who treats him nicely is Shimon, a Jew. Shimon was the boss of this company in Yerushalayim, a construction company in Yerushalayim. And he had a bunch of people, a bunch of Arabs that worked for him. And Mustafa, the 16-year-old boy, was one of them. And Shimon was very nice to him. He would make sure that he was comfortable. He would bring him cold drinks. And Mustafa is so confused. He's an Arab boy, grew up in Ramallah. And he was taught his whole life that the Jews are horrible. We have to hate the Jews. You have to hate the Jews. And he's so confused. He says, everyone, all the Arabs are mean to me. My own father is mean to me. All my neighbors, everyone, all, everyone in the whole neighborhood, the only people who have been nice to him 
is his boss, who's a Jewish guy, Shimon. And when they have other jobs here and there, every day when he goes into Yerushalayim or to some of the Jewish neighborhoods, the Jews are the only people that are nice to him. That night as he's gathering in the sheep one at a time and bringing them and he's exhausted and he says, that's it. He makes a decision. He says, I'm running away. I can't take it anymore. This is ridiculous. I'm working 18 hours a day. Everyone's just yelling at me. Nobody's treating me nice. I'm running away and I'm going to move to Yerushalayim, to the Jewish part of Eretz Yisrael. And he gathers in all the sheep, locks them up, and he goes into his house. And his father yells at him again, it took you so long! Mostafa, that took you way too long to get all the sheep. Okay. He goes into his room, he pulls out his knapsack, shuts the door, and he starts packing up some clothes. And he says, that's it, I'm running away. Takes a few things. He puts them in his bag. He's waiting until it's quiet in his house so that he can sneak out. And he made up his mind. He said, I'm never coming back here. I had enough. And here's the house is quiet. Takes his knapsack. Slowly opens the door. All of a sudden, there's like a creak from him walking. He stops. Doesn't want to wake anyone up. Doesn't want anyone to hear. His father will be furious if he sees what's going on. He's slowly sneaking out of the house. Suddenly, he hears a door in the house open behind him. <gasps> he turns around, and it's, his, it's not his father, it's his mother. And his mother was the only person that was actually nice to him. He felt bad even running away, but he just had enough. And his mother says, Mustafa, what is this? Where are you going? He says, Mom, I have to tell you the truth. It breaks my heart to say this, but I'm, I'm running away. I can't take it anymore. Dad is just treating me ridiculous. Horribly, I can't work like this. I'm running away. I'm going to be on my own. Mustafa, where are you going to go? I'm going to Jerusalem. Jerusalem? Her eyes, her face turns white. For an Arab boy to go and choose to live like in a Jewish, in a Yiddish town is like unheard of. She says, Mustafa, why, why are you going to Jerusalem of all places? And he says, Mom... I was thinking back on my life and thinking about how everyone's treating me horribly and I realized the only people who have ever been nice to me and he's like afraid to say it. Imagine an Arab boy to tell his mother or his parents that he actually likes the Yidin but he says, Mom, the only people who have ever been nice to me is my boss, Shimon, and the other Yidin, the other Jews who I've worked for. I know, I know we never would say such a thing because I'm taught to hate Jews. But he says, Mom, that's the truth. And I'm going to live among the Jews. And his mother's face turns white and pale. And she looks like she just saw something like she looks like she's about to faint. Says, Mom, it's okay. I know it's, it's not usually what we do, but I'll be okay. Don't worry. I'm going to be fine. I'm going to make money. I'll be on my own. She can barely talk. She can't believe it. I have to sit down. She sits down. And he sits down next to her. And she says, Mustafa, if you want to run away, that's fine. But I want to tell you something. She 
said, I never told this to anybody. And she said, Mustafa, I'm a Jew. What? She says, yeah. She grew up in Eretz Yisrael, not religious. She said, my parents didn't teach me anything about Judaism. You know, people in Eretz Yisrael, even people in Eretz Yisrael, a lot of Yid in there don't know anything about Torah and mitzvahs. And she said, we never knew anything about any Judaism. I wasn't connected to anything Jewish. And she said, I, I, you know, I ended up meeting an Arab man and we got married. And of course, I would never, she says to Mustafa, I would never tell any of the Arab people that I'm a Jew. They would go crazy that there's a Jew. But she said, that's what happened. I, I left my parents. I was an only child, she says. I had no brothers. I have no sisters. My parents passed away. And I ended up just living here. And this became my life. Mustafa, like, can't believe it. And she says, maybe that's why you feel so attracted, so interested in going and living with Jews. She says, Mustafa, because I'm a Jew. He's like trying to make sense of this. Couldn't believe it. His whole life, he's always had this feeling of like, you know, he felt connected to Jewish people. It wasn't a normal thing for an Arab to feel like that. She says, Mustafa, I want to tell you something else. I don't really know anything about Judaism or anything, but Mustafa, I believe that if I'm a Jew, that actually means that you're a Jew. What? Couldn't believe it. 16 years old, his whole life living like an Ar- as an Arab. To find that out, he, he, he was flabbergasted. He had nothing he could say. She says, Mustafa, if you want to go live with the Jews and you feel like you're connected to the Jews, and I bet that's the reason why. It's because you are a Jew. And she says, go. Have good luck. And she says, there's one thing I want to just give you. She says, in case you're ever confused or anything or you want to know, she takes out, she goes into her room in her closet, high up in the back, there's an old little, like, tattered shoebox. And she says, wait one moment. And she takes out the shoebox. And she opens it up. And the whole time they have to be very quiet because they cannot let Mustafa's father hear what's going on here. And she takes out a piece of paper from the shoebox. And she says, Mustafa, I want you to have this. And she hands it to him. And he looks at the paper. It's an old black and white photo, an old black and white picture of a man, an old man with a long white beard and long pace, wearing like an up hat from like 100 years ago. And an old lady looks like she's from like a way, way, way back. Understanding in a cemetery. And she says, Mustafa, this is a picture of my grandparents. I don't even know anything about them. But these are my grandparents. These are your great, great grandparents. And they were in a cemetery visiting some of their ancestors, someone from their, one of their, their great, 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 great grandparents. And she says, Mustafa, this is the only thing I have. To, to prove that I'm Jewish, to prove that you're Jewish. So he looks at the picture 
He stuffs it in his pocket. And he picks up his bag. And he walks out of the house. And with the picture in his pocket and his knapsack on his back, he starts walking down at midnight, pitch black street of Ramallah, heading towards Yerushalayim to start a new life. He ends up getting a ride. He gets to Yerushalayim. He has nowhere to go. He sleeps on a bench on the street. The next morning, he wakes up. He heads over to the construction site where he's working. He finishes his day of hard work. And he's totally like clueless. Where on earth is he gonna go now? He has no family. He left his family. He now just found out that he's a Yid. And he says he wants to learn a little bit more about Judaism. And he's walking down the street and he comes to a building and he sees some Hebrew letters. And he says, you know, let me go find out a little bit more about Judaism. And he walks into a shul and sits down in the back and just starts praying. He didn't know anything about davening and starts talking to Hashem and says, Hashem, God, help guide me towards Judaism, which he just found out that he was a Yid. And an amazing thing happened. But to hear that amazing thing, you will have to come back next week to Abba Subhanim to hear what ended up happening with Mustafa in Yerushalayim in a shul. And he sat in the back of the shul and he started davening. He didn't know anything about davening, but he started saying, Hashem, help me figure out what's going on. I'm so confused. I just found out that I'm a Yid. And he realizes, he starts to get nervous because he realizes right around now, Friday afternoon, when he usually would be coming home to his family, he said his, his father is probably starting to realize that he's gone, that he ran away. And he's getting a little nervous. Who knows where his father's looking and what's going to happen? He's going to be searching all over the place. And he just, he just davens to Hashem to help him figure out what he's meant to do. And he's sitting in the back of the shul. It's around four o'clock on a Friday afternoon. And he's exhausted and he's confused. And he's nervous that maybe his father's coming. He has no clue and he falls asleep. Imagine like in this shul, he falls asleep in the back, back, back. It was a kind of shul that had a bench. It didn't have chairs. And he falls asleep in the back of the shul on a bench. Ran away from him. All he has is his knapsack. And suddenly he wakes up. The door opening to the shul. Goodness, he's terrified. Maybe it's his father. Maybe it's the police. Maybe somebody's looking for him. He's like half asleep. And he just sits there quietly and he sees two old men walking into the shul. Hey, Shabbat Shalom, Shalom, Anishma. Two old 
Israeli Yidin came into shul. It was Friday afternoon. And they were getting ready. And they came to Davin Mincha and Kabbalah Shabbos. And they turned to him. Hey! And the Arabs in Israel, they know how to speak Hebrew. And he said, hey, what's going on? You're new here. What are you doing here? And he's too nervous to say anything. And he just stays quiet. And a few minutes later, a few more people walk into the shul. And he has no clue what's going on. He has never, ever, ever been in a shul in his life. He knows nothing about Yiddishkeit or anything. And a few minutes later, a few more people come in. And then he sees someone at the front starts counting. And they point to him. Did you daven yet? He's like, uh... He doesn't know what he's supposed to say. Is he supposed to say, yes, he did daven, he didn't daven, he has no clue. Uh, yes, Cain, I daven. What? You daven already? Lama, why did you daven? We need you for a minion. A minion? He has no clue what that is. Uh, no, I didn't daven yet. Okay, perfect, we have ten. Ashrei Yoshev And everyone starts, Ashrei Yoshev Vesecha, he sees everyone taking out Sidurim and starts reading. He has no clue what's going on. But he picks up a sitter. Okay. He knows how to read Hebrew, because even the Arabs in Israel, they know how to read Hebrew, and he starts, opens up to a random page and just starts mumbling. He has no clue what... And all of a sudden, he's got, oh, they stand up. Everybody stands up, so he does the same thing. He quickly stands up. And everyone says, amen. Gets quiet. Everybody starts taking steps back, and he's looking around like, okay, I guess I'll do that too. He starts walking backwards. Bangs into the wall. Whoa! Oh, 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 oh. And then he sees everyone's three steps forward, and then everyone's quiet. He just takes three steps forward. He's just copying whatever they're doing and pretending to daven. He has no idea what he's doing. And he ends up staying for the, for the rest of Mincha. And he hopes nobody notices, but if they would realize that he's an Arab, I mean, he just found out that he's a Yid, but if an Arab comes into a shul, people would start to get nervous. You know, usually there's not... So he has to pretend he is a Yid, but he has to pretend he knows what he's doing because he doesn't want people to get all nervous. And So fine. Finishes Mincha. He doesn't know what's happening next. He's just sitting in his corner with his sitter. And then somebody gets up. Keep going. And everybody starts davening Kabbalah Shabbos. Suddenly, Mustafa starts feeling a little bit like emotional. Whole thing starts coming back to him now. He's realizing that he's a yid, and he has no place to go. And there, meanwhile, just davening along, and then, you know, paragraph after paragraph, and then the chazan. Everyone's quiet. And the chazan starts. And Mustafa doesn't know what came over him, but he starts bawling starts crying. Not because he's sad. You know, people cry sometimes when they're sad, but also when somebody just feels very emotional, very like moved, 
person can start crying, and he starts crying and crying, and everything just hits him at one shot. And he starts bawling as everybody's singing. And some of the people in the shul see him in the back, this guy they never saw before. They see that he's bawling and crying his eyes out. You don't usually see that in the middle of Kabbalah Shabbos, you know, on Yom Kippur or Rosh Hashanah, maybe in the middle of Shemun Esrei. But on a regular Friday night in the middle of Kabbalah Shabbos, to see somebody crying like that, you know, but nobody really knows him. They're not going to start asking him questions and this and that. Anyway, they finish davening. And everybody, okay, Shabbat Shalom, good Shabbos, good Shabbos. A few people say good Shabbos to him. He has no idea what they're talking about. He just nods. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And they start to leave. And there's one person there. You know, his name is Mr. Rothstein. He's actually, an, he was an American person who moved here to Israel. So he's called, he called, he made Aliyah. So he spoke English, but he spoke Hebrew also. And Mr. Rothstein sees this teenage kid in the back who's by himself. He's not with his family. They never saw him there before. And Mr. Rothstein, he was the kind of guy if, you know, if someone, he liked to have guests. He sees this guy by himself. He goes over to him. Shalom Aleichem. You know, the Arabs, they say, Salam Aleichem. They don't say Shalom Aleichem. They say something similar. But Mustafa just keeps his mouth shut. He doesn't want to say anything because he's nervous that he's going to sound like an Arab. They're going to throw him out and yell at him. And this guy, Mr. Rothstein, comes over. Shalom Aleichem. Good Shabbos. Are you new here? Yeah. You know, he barely even says anything. Do you have a place for the Suda tonight? Again, he has no clue. Is he supposed to say yes? Is he supposed to say no? He doesn't even know what, what they're talking about. He says, um, no. Do you want to come to me for the Suda? Mustafa realizes, he stops for a second, he thinks, and he says, maybe this, you know, he was, he was davening and praying that Hashem should send him a sign, tell him where to go, maybe this is the answer. Maybe this is what Hashem is sending him, a message that he, he decides he's going to go with Mr. Rothstein and have this Suda, whatever that is, he has no clue what that is, he's going to go have the Suda. He says, yes. And basically at this point, he's either saying Cain or Lo. He's not saying anything else, yes or no. He's basically just answering yes or no questions. And they come home, and the table's set beautifully for Shabbosuda, and the Rothstein family is there. And Mustafa didn't even say his name. You know, like, oh, who did, who's this that you brought home? Uh, this is my friend. You know, Mr. Rothstein doesn't even know what to say because he doesn't even know this person's name. I brought someone home from shul. He needed a meal. Mustafa, at this point, you know, they show him where to go, and he's just watching everything. He's just taking it all in. He sees the Kiddush cup and the challahs, and it's his first time in his life seeing a Shabbos Suda, and he just found out a day ago that he's a Yid. And he, again, just like in shul, he's basically just copying what everyone else is doing. He doesn't really know. I say, Amen, okay, Amen. Everyone, like, looks at him. They make Kiddush. You know, they're pouring out a little bit. Everyone gets a little bit of the Kiddush cup. He doesn't know what you're supposed to do with this. Is this like, you're supposed to pour it on your head? You're supposed to wash your hands with it? He's waiting to see what everyone else is doing. He sees everyone take a sip. Okay, he could take a sip too. And then everybody leaves. He's like, are we done? Is this, whatever this suda, is it over? And then he sees, oh, everyone goes to go wash their hands. Okay, so he just copies them. He washes his hands. And they come back and they make mozi. And everyone gets a piece of challah. 
And the whole time in the Suda, Mr. Rothstein is trying to make conversation with him. Oh, you know, where are you from? Mustafa doesn't say anything. He's trying to, like, interact with him. Finally, Mr. Rothstein says, you know, he's getting ready to sing a, a, a niggin, to sing a Shabbos zemer. And the Yidin in Eretz Yisrael, you know, he doesn't even know if this guy's from, he doesn't know anything about who this person is, but he says, is there a song? How do you, how do you say it in Hebrew? Yanki, how do you say it? Sheer? Sheer? Don't say zemer. Yeshir shatar. Is there a song that you want to sing? And all of a sudden, Mustafa looks up. You know, till then, he wasn't saying anything. He was being very... Is there a song you want to sing? And Mustafa looks up. And he's thinking back to his shul. He was just in shul a few minutes before. And he turns to Mr. Rothstein and he says, Ken, oh, okay, which song do you want to sing? So he says, Mr. Rothstein is saying to himself, you know, you don't usually sing L'chadoidi in the middle of your Suda, but he has this guest, he doesn't want to embarrass him, he wants to make him comfortable. So they all start singing it together. We won't, we won't do it again, but they all start singing it. And suddenly again, this Mustafa, as they're all singing this song again, again, is emotional, and he's just, all of a sudden starts crying again. And the Rothstein family is watching this, this young boy who's not saying a word. So far, all he said was Cain, low, which means yes or no. And he's saying this song, one little part of this song. And all of a sudden, he starts crying and crying and crying. And Mr. Rothstein said, that's it. I need to figure out what, what the story is with this guy. And he says, um, you know, they finish singing and he says, so can you tell me a little bit about yourself? Like, you know, where are you from? What's... And Mustafa looks up and he says, you know, it says in his head, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk. I'm going to say more than just yes or no. And to find out what he said, you'll have to wait until next week, the final week of Abu Subhanim. And hopefully the story will finish. Otherwise, you have to wait six months to hear the end. I'm just joking. We're going to finish the story next week. And thank you all for coming. The second last week of Abu Subhanim. And when they said, which song do you want to sing? He said, And to find out what happens, you'll have to come back in six months when we continue. Just joking. So Mustafa, Mustafa decides, Mr. Rothstein turns to him and says, tell me, he sees that this guy is crying at his Suda. He's not saying much. He sees something's going on. He says, tell me, where are you from? What's your name? He's trying to pull it out of him. Mustafa 
decides he's going to share everything. He sees that this guy, Mr. Rothstein, he sees that he's not trying to hurt him, he's not trying to, he decides he's going to tell him everything. Mustafa has no one to turn to. He ran away from his family, he just found out he's a Yid, he decides he's going to tell this guy who seems like a nice, caring guy. And Mustafa all of a sudden opens his mouth, and this is the first time they're actually hearing him say anything. And the whole table, everyone's at the Shabbos Suda, Mr. and Mrs. Rothstein, and they have their son and their three daughters. And Mustafa says, I come from Ramallah. Now, in Eretz Yisrael, if somebody says that they're from Ramallah, that's another way, basically, of saying that they're not a Yid. Basically, they're saying that they're an Arab because there's no Yidin in Ramallah. And Mustafa, for the first time, opens his mouth and says, I come from Ramallah. Mr. Rothstein all of a sudden jumps up. What? What do you want from me? What do you want? Get out of my house. He got scared because all of a sudden, basically, he finds out this person he invited in shul to come to his suda is an Arab. And Eretz Yisrael, that's a scary thing, that this person's basically snuck into his home. What do you need? What do you want from me? And Mustafa says, no, no, no. It's not, it's not like that. Let me explain. Mr. Rossin is standing up, and all the kids kind of backed off. They're very, very, very nervous. They're ready to, like, run out the door or who knows what. And Mustafa says, just give me one moment. And they see that he's crying. And they see that he has something to tell them. And it looks like he's not trying to hurt them. And Mustafa says the whole thing, basically, from beginning to end. He says, I, I grew up in Ramallah. I never knew. I, I was raised as an Arab. I was raised to hate the Yidin. I always felt connected to Yidin. My whole life, I felt connected to Yidin. I worked. We, I did construction in Yerushalayim. And I just found out Last night, as I was running away from my home, my mother just told me that she is a Yid. She didn't know anything about Yiddishkeit. She wasn't raised from, and she ended up marrying an Arab. And she's a Yid, and she told me that that makes me a Yid. I just found this out, and I just ran away. And Mustafa tells him the whole story. And by now, Mr. Rothstein and his wife and their family, they calm down a little bit. They see, it looks like he's telling the truth. And they feel horrible for this guy, this poor kid, 16 years old. And Mr. Rothstein says, wow, that must be so hard for you. Do you have any, he says, do you have any, anything showing that you're a Yid? Like he, he wanted something like, who knows? His mother told him that he's a Yid. You know, did, did you grow up with anything Jewish? Is there any clue or any hint? And Mustafa's thinking, and he says, the only thing I have, really, is right before I left, my mother gave me a picture of her grandparents. And they looked like Jews to me. But that's basically it. I have nothing else. And Mustafa still is, like, crying in such confusion. And Mr. Rothstein says, what is your name? He says, my name is Mustafa. He says, Mustafa. Do you have that picture? He says, yes, I do. Can I see it? So by now, Mr. Rothstein and his wife and their kids, everybody sat down, and they realized that this guy, Mustafa, is not trying to hurt them. And he reaches into his jacket pocket, and he takes out this picture, and he shows it to Mr. Rothstein. 
And in that picture, if you remember, was an old couple and uh, two, an old man and woman. The man had a long, long beard. He looked like a yid from like, you know, back in the olden days and his wife. And they happened to be standing in a cemetery. And Mr. Rothstein looks and says, where, where is this picture taken? What, what's going on? He says, Mustafa says, this is my mother's grandparents. And they were at a cemetery. I think my mother said that they were visiting. They went to the cemetery to their great-great-grandfather. And Mr. Rothstein looks at the picture. And he says, so what you're telling me, Mustafa, is that the picture, this man and woman, are your great-grandparents. Yeah. And that whoever is buried there, where they went, is your great-great-great-great-great-great-grandfather, basically. He says, I guess so. You know, I just found this out. I'm just as confused as you are, but I guess so. That's what my mother told me. So Mr. Rothstein turns to his son, his 11-year-old son, Moishi, at the head of the table. And he says, wow. Moishi, go grab me a sitter. A sitter in the middle of the sudag. What, is, what does that have to do with anything? He doesn't question his father. He goes, he comes back to the table with the sitter. And Mr. Rothstein opens up, starts flipping around. And he opens up to Kabbalah Shabbos, Licha Dodi. And it starts off, Licha Dodi, Likras Kala, Pnei Shabbos, Nekabla, Licha Dodi, Likras Kala, Pnei Shabbos, Nekabla. What's the next word? Shamor Vizachor. What's the next one? What's the next one? Mikdash Melech. Next one? Hisnari. Shin, Lamed, Mem, He. Shlomo, and if you go through the whole thing, it's Shlomo Halevi. So the song was written, a lot of times people would do this, they would make their name into the song. So each part of the song starts with a shin and then a lamin. The person who wrote this song, Lechadodi, his name was Rav Shloima Alkabetz. Big, 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 big tzaddik. I believe it was the times of the Arizal, 1500s. So everyone's quiet at the table. No one really knows what he's getting at. He says, Mustafa... This song, you, for some reason, you felt very, very connected to this song. You heard it in shul, and then you asked us to sing it again and to sing it again. He says, Mustafa, look at the picture where your great-grandparents are standing. And he hands it to Mustafa. Mr. Rothstein's hands are shaking. And he hands it, and Mustafa takes a look. And this old man and woman are standing next to a kever. And it says... In Hebrew, but who is buried here? Rav Shloima Alkabetz, the author of Lichadodi. He says, Mustafa, you felt so connected to this song. You, you left your house. You just found out that you're a Yid. You were confused and you felt connected to this song. And you asked me to sing it again and to sing it again. He said, Mustafa, this song was written by your great, 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 great grandfather. And that's why you felt so connected to it. Mustafa couldn't believe it. 
Rothstein turns and says, Mustafa, you're a Yid, and you're a descendant, you're a grandson of Shlema Alkabetz. Mustafa, we need to find you a Jewish name. Mustafa is not going to be your name. So Mustafa, it sounds like Moshe, he said, from now on your name is going to be Moshe. And Moshe probably changed his last name too to something more Jewish sounding. Moshe stayed with the Rothstein family. They helped raise him or continue to live with them. He eventually married a Jewish girl in Yerushalayim, and they raised a Jewish family. And he kept that connection deep, deep inside of him. What do we see from this? That a Yid, every single Yid, even with no connection, he was raised among Arabs. He had deep inside of him this connection to Yiddishkeit, Probably because, this is a guess, but probably because Rabbi Shlomo Alkabetz davened every single day. We say, we daven that the Torah should be sweet for our children, our grandchildren, our great-grandchildren. And in that schus, this Mustafa ended up returning to Yiddishkeit and raising a Jewish family in Yerushalayim. Thank you everybody for a wonderful, wonderful season of Abu Subhanim and raffle first and then 